What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We talk a little bit of powerlifting meat etiquette, a topic that was bought up on Powerlifting Now, made its way on to Two White Lights, had a really good discussion there. I was apparently guilty of a big powerlifting etiquette uh, in infraction, so we talk about that. You guys can be the judge if I'm in the wrong. I always think I'm in the right, so I'm just going to naturally disagree with everything um, that's an opposing opinion of what I do. But, yeah, had a good discussion there. Uh, talked about Powerlifting America's Nationals being announced and what kind of what that means is based on the dates. Talk a little bit about potential Sheffield roster openings with the wild cards. Uh, talk about the breakout performers or early breakout matchups from our, that are going to be competing at USAPL Raw Nationals. So early preview, I guess, and try to dive too deep there, but some people who are flying under the radar had a good discussion about that. Steve talks about the bench chip issue with different age divisions, um, gives himself a solution, gives the USAPL a possible solution because Ken Thompson just did that at uh, powerlifting or USAPL uh, bench nationals. So have a good discussion on that. Great episode of Two White Lights. Make sure you guys are subscribing to Two White Lights on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on both. Go to twowhitelights.com. Subscribe there as well. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. Oh, baby, I like it, boy. Yeah, baby, I like it, boy. Oh, baby, I like it, boy. Yeah, baby, I like it, boy. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, yam, shimmy, yeah. Give me the mic so I can take her away. Off on the natural charge, bone for yards. Yeah, from the home of the Dodge of Brooklyn squad. Who take the love, he's on the score. And as promised, we are here. It's been a while, Steve. Yes, sir. Yeah, and we're, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, too. I feel like we're six weeks out from Raw Nationals. Like, it, it hasn't hit me yet that it's it's six weeks away, and we're going to be in Memphis. Yeah, well, I'm the opposite. It's been hitting me like a fucking ton of bricks that it's six weeks out because my back, yeah, my back hasn't realized we're six weeks out of Nationals. So that's uh, so that's good. So every single time, like, oh, cool, we're now five weeks out. Yeah, every time it gets closer, I get more scared. But yeah, we're about to get into national season, which um, is a busy season for us. And we have a little bit of a not a preview today, but some storylines going into nationals and some spotlights to talk about because you know it's still a meet with a lot of lifters and a lot of potential for breakout lifters, but. Um, I'm kind of excited because this is kind of like Two White Lights classic of just, I don't want to say making up a topic, but just talking about something that relates to powerlifting that could go in a lot of different directions as far as complaints go, as far as takes go. Um, and it was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is a powerlifting now thing? Oh, yeah, so we're... Meet etiquette we're on powerlifting. Now we talked on the podcast about warm up room etiquette. Mm-hmm. We kind of went through a lot of different scenarios of things that either we do strategy wise in the warm up room to make things move smoother, ranting on pet peeves in the warm up room of things people do that really are just kind of like against the code of the warm up room or just are uh, 
uh, disrespectful to anyone in there because we, we that's what we see so often is just how many people are just kind of uh, in it for themselves and don't show the courtesy to the other people in that war room. So mm-hmm. yeah, and it got it got a decent amount of little traction. I get we, we brought a little two white lights s style topic to powerlifting now and ended up probably being our most viral topic we've talked about on the podcast, other than maybe our episode with Mike T. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm not a part of uh, powerlifting now as far as the podcasts go, but um, I, I'm actually curious on what was kind of the highlights there for meat etiquette, because I have a shit ton for gym etiquette, but meat etiquette is, I think, so distant to me because I think it's the only thing coaches have to worry about. Yeah, I wonder how much do you even notice things going on in the war room when you're in there? Like, do you even notice all the douchebaggery that tends to happen? No, I remember Joe, um, my first Arnold meet, he was telling me about this stuff that uh, was going on in the warm-up room. I won't name names, because the name was already bought up on Two White Lights before, and uh, it led to a three-day thing of uh, defending, and why don't you say it to my face, Three White Lights. But um, (laughs) I remember... That, and I'm just like, I didn't see the guy in there at all, <laughs> whatever Joe was talking about. Like, I didn't see the, the particular coach and athlete he was even talking about. And, yeah, I don't notice a thing in the warm-up room. Um, only thing I noticed was Joe Bornstein's ridiculous squat warm-up that he took the bar like, I think he's still taking the bar as his warm-up as we speak uh, <laughs> in the... In the pro fina- in the uh, the pro finals warm up room, I I do remember that like, <laughs> and everyone I think including his handler being like, dude, you gotta hurry up. You have a, you have more lifters here, and so you gotta you gotta speed this warm up that you're doing up a little bit. Well, it also helps for you that I mean the majority of your meets are in prime time or the Arnold, mm-hmm. which those are two of the best warm up rooms there are because. For the most part, it's pretty darn professional. I think probably the last warm-up room you were in that was bad. I have to imagine you noticed this was the Grand Prix warm-up room. Yeah. That was not a great warm-up room, but that wasn't anyone's fault other than USAPL for the combination of things. That – I remember on King of Lifts, Arian Kamesi bought it up um, as far as, like, kind of the warm-up room being a mess. He did kind of bring me up because I think – he was like, why didn't he warm up with me and Gruden? Because they're both in the same weight class, they're the same weights. He decided to warm up with Ash instead. And I'm like, well, Ash, the reason why I warmed up with Ash is because, one, he's a very close friend of mine, and two, Marcellus was like, Get, warm up with us. And we're all pretty, like me, Joe, and Marcellus, and Ash are pretty close, so that's why we did it. And I, I do recall it, there was some tone of, I don't know why Angelo did that and made things more difficult. And I'm like I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. But the other issue. I mean, I ended up having to warm up with Gruden um, for deadlifts because of that turned into a mess with the equipped lifters. Was the deadlift? I that yeah, was switching they, around platforms a lot. And that's where I say it's not even anyone's fault other than USAPL because you should not have equipped and uh, raw warming up together because yeah. it's, it's a different system and it's well, a different flow to things. Equipped lifters need a longer time. they got to do different things, especially when it comes to bench and then wrapping for squats and whatnot. It's completely different. It ruins the, it ruins the flow. I mean, for both equipped and raw, I don't think they want to warm up together because it doesn't work correctly. Yeah. 
Well, that was the last time it ever happened, though, right? They never combined equipped and raw ever again at the Arnold. I I think they should have learned from that. Did I, they ever do it again? I don't think I don't think they ever did it again. So that was oh, good. Oh, okay, good. okay, yeah, they never did it again. <laughs> it's good that they learned. It's good that they learned that time. Um, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I guess again, I didn't, but I didn't notice that one either because I think that is exclusively a coach problem and something that they have to deal with. And you know, Joe, veteran coach, does a really good job of that. Um, and if, in all honesty, I am, I don't know what you do on meet day. I've been in the same warm up room with you many a times, and I have no clue. How you are in the warm-up room. I have no clue how Marcellus is in the warm-up room. I have no clue how Flex is in the warm-up room. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm right next to them, yet don't see them. Very strange. Uh, I mean, if a coach is a certain way in a warm-up room and you can distinctly know that, that probably isn't a good thing. It yeah. should be a pretty – like I don't, I don't think being known for something in the warm-up room would be a, a good thing. I'm trying to think if there's any coaches I know in a bad way. I don't think so. I, I'm not even trying to out anyone. I can't think of anyone that I would be like, oh, yeah, they're, I, when I see them in a war room, I'm not happy. Yeah. But we talked about kind of in general kind of how you should be conducting yourself in the war room on Powerlifting now, but I want to get into that. But I'll, I'll throw out some in there because I think you're going to know. I got I got a little list, and we, maybe I'll add some more as so I can kind of keep remembering some stuff I ranted on. Numero uno, the biggest one, and I, if you haven't noticed this in any way, shape, or form, I'd be shocked, is rack hopping. Oh. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say, so with rack hopping, I was very lucky in my AAPF days that everyone else didn't know what they were doing because I was definitely guilty of that. I was You're rack hopping. Wherever, wherever had the three reds, I'm going to do that one. When I see someone else load four reds, I'm going to go to that one. It was kind of the combination, too, of equip lifting and raw lifting of, like, I'm this guy just taking a really long time. So I'm just going to go to this rack and just kind of like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. And no one got mad about it. No one ever called you out on it because everyone's pretty novice. Even at like their national meets, everyone is still pretty novice and just really don't care. And we're, and we're like spotting and loading ourselves too, like during those meets. So I was lucky that nobody knew. I just remember the only time I handled someone um, it was Hussam, uh, Hussam Jim Frank at, I think his second, his, might have been his first USPA meet. There was somebody who was rack hopping and it was a local meet. So you have, you know, a lot of novice lifters who don't know what they're doing. And he's like, Hey, can I take this? And I'm like, no, that's, that's our combo rack. He's like, well, yeah, but this rack over here, I'm like, no, but I'm like, you warm up. I'm like, if you want to warm up over here, you have to stay over here. And he and I remember this lifter had to, he did it like two or three times. I just knew he didn't know what he was doing, and yeah, it immediately annoyed me. And I just knew I was guilty of it. I might have done it at my first nationals meet because that was I, a meet I was going into nationals in the regular section without a handler is pretty intense. Yeah, especially like not. It, yeah, not like the the regular session in nationals is is pretty nuts. And it's, even I remember my first time as a coach, it's intimidating. I got lucky. The first uh, my first ever nationals, I'm I was scared out of my mind. I didn't know what to do. There's so many people there. I'm looking at all these coaches that I look up to that I like idolize, and I just kind of went to the back corner because I just was like, okay, if I go over there, I don't see anyone. 
Sean Collins was on that platform. And I met Sean Collins, and we hit it off, and we had a great time all nationals sharing that platform and been cool ever since. Yeah. I, well, uh, yeah, I mean, in the warm-up room at Nationals, uh, my first one, I mean, because I am, I'm constantly going to lifting cast, going to the board, and coming back to the platform, not even knowing what to warm up with. Like, I, my warm-ups made no sense. Like, they were just all over the place, um, and timing made no sense either. I was just going in order. Like, when this guy goes after him, I'm going to go. So, I don't even remember if I was too early or too late on my warm-ups, um, and I probably caused some issues with the platform I was warming up with and the guys I was warming up with because I was just going at different speeds, and I remember they got, they didn't get mad at me, they're like, stop trying to load your own weights and stop trying to change your rack height, like, don't touch anything, and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I, thank you, I guess, like, you're being nice by doing this, um, but that's where I went, Joe Stanek, my coach. I, I recall, and I and I always bring up this story, he took the goddamn collars off of my platform. Because somebody took them off his platform, and he got mad. <laughs> they came to our platform <laughs> and took them and bought them back on his. And he goes, no, we're just going to use it for a set. He's like, yeah, these belong to our platform. Use the five, you're, well, they... use the two and a half kilo plates. They're the same thing, and use the clips. And I'm like... Okay. <laughs> right. The full on comp collars are just regular collars. Uh, the even, full comp collars. Regular... Oh, okay. Because Joe, uh, he always brings his own collars. I wonder if someone actually went and took his. Because I've had that before where someone literally like takes my own personal collars to their rack and uses them. It's, it's the point now based off the Arnold that I might bring my own silver chip plates because USAPL didn't provide them. I actually need to mark that down to remember to bring them to Nationals because at the Arnold they decided not to have silvers. Oh, yeah. You, yeah literally I recall going that. I'm literally making a note right now. Bring silvers to nationals. I'm literally going to do that because of how annoying that was. And seemingly that's a thing because they didn't bring any silvers to the Arnold. But yeah, rack hopping. So if I'm going to rant and I don't want to get as much details I got on two white lights because that was more informative and I don't, well, people probably want to hear that too, to an extent, but it's pretty easy to fix this. Here's the key. Here's the key. Angelo. Even you, I think, can figure this out with your limited IQ. So. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> right, continue. I'm the data guy. You're the emotional guy. Sorry. Took shots. You're a Cubs fan. <laughs> All right. If there are four warm-up platforms, and you can see there are four warm-up platforms, and you also see there are 12 lifters in your flight, how many lifters should be on each platform? Three. This, this is this is a this is a nice little. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Question. Three. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. So if there's twelve lifters in a flight and there's four wall platforms, it means three on each one. So if you see four, if you see three or four people on a platform and you try and rack hop over and you get pissed, that should be a sign. 
you can easily plan it out. And like, I mean, that's one of the big things that coaches do is we get in there we see that, okay, 12 lifters, four platforms, three each platform. So in no way should there be more than four. Like it's not always going to be perfectly three, but in no way, shape or form should there be any more than four lifters on a platform when you can even, when there's 12 people in four platforms or, yeah. or it could be, or it could be three platforms and 12 lifters. Okay. That's four, four per platform, no more than five. And so, yeah, people will come over and they'll try and rack hop and you'll say, no, you're not hopping in here like there's a rack right there with only two people on it you should go join them yeah um collegiate nationals how it's like that's got to be more of a mess yes that it, we, i think we brought that up because that is a mess because of the teams yeah because like at regular nationals this doesn't happen but on regular nationals you you cut you kind of have the platforms, the warm platforms lined up in front of the platforms, and you should kind of bias to the ones in front of your actual, like if you're on platform four, don't go over to platform one and be warming up over there. Like, align yourself. And at nationals, while that still doesn't happen perfectly, it happens decently well, at collegiate nationals, it does not. Because, like, teams will just decide, we're going to take this platform, even though we have someone on one, three, and four, and it just ruins everything. I hate I hate coaching in the warrant room at Collegiate Nationals. I hate it. I remember when I was back there. If anyone wants to fix that for the sole purpose that maybe I'd be more invested in coaching Collegiate Lifters, I literally shy away from coaching Collegiate Lifters because I do not want to coach at Collegiate Nationals. (laughs) Yeah, I remember being back there at Collegiate Nationals, like in between commentary, and I just immediately left. Like the team in junior day, I was in the warm-up room, you know, kind of shaking hands and, you know, saying hi to people. Um, the collegiate nationals day, I walked in and I just walked right out. It was just a Royal rumble of people and handlers and coaches and lifters. And I couldn't tell who was a lifter and who was a coach at a point because that's when they're all wearing, you know, their team stuff. And yeah, um, that's why, that's why I was curious about, I, I want, I want to bring this up. Somebody brought this to my attention. Um, it was on Reddit. So I don't know, like, I guess somebody who's just on Reddit and, like, active on the powerlifting forum. Um, so, like, Reddit doesn't have a ton of stuff for powerlifting. So I guess, like, you see pretty much everything that's been posted and people read through it. So somebody brought this to my attention. That ultimate warrior meet that I did. Um, somebody had a, just you know, just their, a description of how the meet went and all the stuff. And then um, they bought me up. Like, he's like, well, uh, you know, the, the meet, the, the warm-up room was great. Um, you know, like, but the problem was like Angelo Fortino was kind of just like working out by himself. Cause no one else is even close to like his weight that he was doing. So he was just kind of like, he had his own platform, he had his own rack and he was kind of using it. He's like, I really wish he would have cleaned up after himself afterwards. And because we all had to strip his last warm-up going into our deadlifts. And I'm like... The one that wasn't even true. I had people warming up with me all day. Um, and, and two, I'm not going to strip my own weight in the warm up room when I'm about to go deadlift. Like that at well, if you do not have a handler, that actually is on you, and that is a huge pet peeve. How? How don't other people have handlers? And isn't that their job as handlers that day? Their job is not to clean up your stuff. Their job is to clean up their own lifters. Now, as a coach, I often will go around and go clean up other people's stuff because it's a huge pet peeve when people leave it because here's the reason why. You have to understand that likely in a lot of 
in a lot of, especially local meets in a lot of sessions, you're going to be in the final flight. Who's in the first flight? I don't know. The lightweight class women. Well, mini meets. for this meet, I and was they the are the flight. ones that are now going to have to unload all of your stuff, and not all of them are going to have handlers, and they may have to unload six reds on each side to get back to just one red. But this meet, it was first flight, and it was only men, male lifters, so I was on the first it flight. Still do, it, it still doesn't matter. Gener- I mean, if it, whether either it's your handler's responsibility or your responsibility, if it's your platform. You should not be doing it. Now, with that said, it's not solely on you. To an extent, I'm not going to say all the time. It depends on the situation. If I am working with some other coaches on a warm-up platform and my lifter finishes first, I will try, if I can, based on timing, to stick around to help them unload their lifter's last warm-up because overall that was our platform together and it's not just the last person's responsibility to unload it. But yes, if you do not have a handler and you are a lifter, you are responsible for unloading the weights. You are not supposed to leave it there. Okay, but you're talking about timing here. I'm the last deadlifter. I'm taking my last deadlift while the flight is happening. So it's my responsibility, but it's never my responsibility to load the plates, apparently, at meets because I'm the lifter. So people are like, no, handlers do this, but if I have the heaviest deadlift, I have to unload it? But you didn't. But you didn't have a handler, though. I I didn't have a handler at Nationals, and I wasn't allowed to, to clean my own weights or put on my own weights. How are you not allowed to? They didn't let me. The fucking people on my platform, they just said, stop okay, doing they, stuff. They, they could have, but in general, yes. If, if like, I mean... I didn't say... I, at that nice. meeting, I didn't tell people like, to load the if plates. You had a platform, if you had a platform with three lifters with no handler, which is happens plenty at local meets it is the lifter's job to load their own weights and do all that stuff yeah load their I, I mean, own I weights can't tell you, but, i can't i can't yeah. tell you how many times i've had lifters who don't have a handler working in with me and as a courtesy i'll let them know hey let me know what you need and i'll help you out but it's still there i mean i i yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have a hard disagreement there like it is your response like you if you don't have a handler it is your responsibility as an athlete that you are not leaving your bar loaded and going off to the platform and, and leaving it for someone else to load because guess what what if the next person up it doesn't have a handler either? And now this lifter is the one having to unload six reds. Then you have to unload six reds. <laughs> so you just you pass that off on a different lifter. Pretty much, yeah. That's because if I have to load my shit, then you have to take it All off right. too. So what we've gotten is Angelo is a rack hopper and is admitted to it. And Angelo leaves his last warm up on the bar when he deadlifts like seven hundred plus pounds and let someone else uh, unload it for him. So, yeah. Angelo, in a nutshell, is the pet peeve. I just still, room. yeah, you, apparently I am, because I still don't get it. That's why never noticed that the warrant room sucks sometimes, because you are the problem. <laughs> but that's a good point. Uh, but I'm, I'm in that situation, though, if I'm having, needing to be, or I'm timing myself here, and having to take my last warm-up while the fight is happening, then stripping the weight and putting it back, it's like, how okay. how, so is, the la- how the last- is it more on me than handlers at the meet? Because okay. you're saying timing. Were you, you said you were the last flight of the meet? No, I was the first flight of the meet. I was the last deadlift of my flight. So okay. it was, it, I was. So yes, you, you needed to unload it or you needed to have coaches there that you could have asked, Hey, I've got to get out there. Would you be able to unload this for me versus just leaving it? That would be the proper etiquette. 
Is but it the one telling, you should have unloaded Telling them to two, do what they're supposed to do on the day? You, you should have asked courtesy-wise, hey, I've got to get to the platform. Would you be okay asking the, the, the handlers for the next flight if they would be okay unloading it? But that is your responsibility to find that to be unloaded for the next flight in some way. Okay. Well, I'm not apologizing for this. So there's that. I still think I just – I read it and I'm like I, I didn't have a handler for the meat. So, you know, I, I didn't think it was my responsibility to take off the plate. Um and I kind of still don't, if I'm being honest. All right. Well, two white lights pull once this comes out. Was Angelo? Was it Angelo's response? I'm making it 100 percent once this episode. Do it. Released. I am. It was this Angelo responsible for unloading the plates after his last deadlift warm up. I'm I'm doing it. We're gonna see. All right. It's it is funny right. though that you, you do like lifters. You can say that, but then lifters are like, oh, you will. Or the etiquette is lifters shouldn't unload your stuff, but it's like, but you're, I don't know. You're loading plates anyways. So, I don't know. I, I think the etiquette is just cleaning up the warm-up room afterwards. Like, everyone puts on their stuff. But if it, if it was the second, actually, I'm, I'm not going to lie. If it was if I was the last deadlifter, I would not think to unload my stuff. If you are the final deadlifter and there's no there's no flights after you, I would say it's okay to leave it with the knowledge that you're coming back after you're done left the deadlifting to unload it. That I could understand. That is interesting. E- even as the coach, though, if I'm the handler, I'm not, I'm unloading all of it. I'm not leaving it until after. Like it's getting unloaded. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. It will be unloaded before I'm out there. I'm based on experience. Being experience, people just leave the bar loaded all the time. Oh, oh yeah, it happens all the time. But that's that's. Warm-up room etiquette. You do not do that. You, When you are done, you or your handler in some way are responsible for that bar being unloaded for the next flight. Because the single biggest one that I started to allude to is how many of the big dudes leave all the weight on the bar. And then guess what? The first flight coming back around is the lightweight women. And now they're having to un- unload five reds because some dude uh, was apparently strong enough to lift it but not unload it. Yeah. Well... I all right. I'm gonna be honest. I wouldn't have thought about that because this didn't happen in my meets because it was the heavier weight men after me. Because it was lightweight to middleweight men, and then after that, it was 93 and above. Or I think it might have been more than that. I think it might have been higher than 93 kilos and above uh, lifting in the weight class after me. But I would not have thought about that. Well, now you know proper warm up room etiquette if you ever self handle again. Is that you should be unloading all the weights. Yeah. You should also, I don't think you have this issue, I'll, get, I'll bring the next one, simple one, no kilos. You probably have never dealt with this, but how many times I'm in a warm-up room and there's kilo plates and someone says, yeah, can we get 225 on the bar? And I'm like, are you saying pounds or kilos? And they're like, 225 pounds. I was like, and they have no idea what to load. They're just hoping someone else knows what 225 pounds is. Well, <laughs> all right, that one's funny because obviously at Nationals and Arnold, I'm not calling out my numbers. Um, everyone else is doing that. Um, but at that, the, the last local meet I did was Ultimate Warrior. And <laughs> that was the thing. I was saying kilos, but the guy warming up with me is like, Jesus Christ. He was like, wait, how much is this? And I'm like, it's 200 kilos. And he's like, holy shit, I thought it was pounds. And then he's like, oh my god, I got so panicked. I thought it was I thought my warm-up like 
this is my second warm up, and it was moving my like my last one. I'm like, oh, dude, no, these these are. And I, he got confused because they were bumper, they were kilo bumpers. Oh, okay. So yeah. there was that, but it's, <laughs> if I would have told him, if I would have told this guy pounds, he would have understood. But I was loading in kilos, and he didn't know like what like the kilos were. Yeah. No, I mean I I like many coaches. When I first got into it, I didn't know kilos. When I went through my first national meet, one of the main things I did actually credit to TSA. They still probably have the best free attempt selection sheet. I think it still does this. Their free attempt selection sheet will tell you the colors to put on as well. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that's what I would make sure to have. Because I, I didn't know kilos proficiently enough. I would just know it would say on my attempt selection sheet, one red, a green, and a white. Or that should be – that's that's dumb. One red, a green, and a black. <laughs> uh, and that's all I would know. But I at least would have that already predetermined thanks to TSA's warm-up sheet so that I knew what I needed to put on so I wasn't a complete idiot versus just how many people show up to meets having no idea how to load kilos in any way, shape, or form, and then we'll just hope that there's a saving grace coach to help them. I would say TSA's meet day uh, spreadsheet is goaded. Oh, yeah, for sure. That is... That is one or was one of my favorite features of the TSA thing was simply just the meet day spreadsheet. Um, I used to go to back to it all the time, like when I was doing my warm ups in the gym. I would just go back to the what like I did on meet day, um, and then it was so like easily customizable because that meet that we did um, had pounds. I almost fell. You noticed that? Yes, everyone missed that. They yeah, can't well, see no, it I might. Well, no, we have not. Almost fell. Almost fell because this rolling chair has a lean back, but apparently there's a there's gears to this thing because now I'm going way back. Yeah, that that made my back feel awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, I and they they because the meet I did that Ultimate Warrior meet, um, they, it was mostly pounds in the warm up. It was mostly pound points. It, it wasn't kilos. Yeah. No, I actually get more confused by pound plates now because I'm so used yeah. to kilos. But oh, yeah, for sure. That's definitely a big one. There's plenty other. I'll, I'll throw out a story. I'm not going to name names. People can just guess. Feel free to DM us guessing who this was. But after the Powerlifting Now podcast, we got a specific story from a local meet where a lifter tried to rack hop and work in late because that's another big pet peeve is like you, people are already two or three reds deep into their squat warm-ups and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, can you, can you, can you drop it down to the bar? I want to I hop in. And you're just like, no. Yeah, like, that's you're late. Find that's it. That's the like, worst no. one. Like is tell is, is tripping down. That's but someone one. came up to their platform and they said no. And that person who didn't have anyone with them that day tried to name drop their coach, um, saying, Do you even know who my coach is? <laughs> yeah, all right, now I know what you're talking about. That was just an isolated <laughs> incident in a local me, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That one, yeah, the name the name drop one. I don't think I don't think that one's gonna be ever common in a warm up room. Um, yeah, I I do recall there was a good story at Collegiate Nationals over a team kind of telling a few lifters to get off the pro, uh, platform because they there it was oversaturated with lifters already. Uh, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
you remember how there was pound plates in the warm-up room and stuff? Yeah. I think it was mixed. I think there was a scenario of that of a certain team, a college team, having that platform with the kilo plates or something or the good, like, equipment or whatever, and people not affiliated with collegiate teams tried to work in with them and they're like, no, this is our team, like, go somewhere else and warm up. Yep, that's why I don't like collegiates. I can understand it to an extent because you want to keep your team together, but at the same time, it is a mess at collegiates because of that with just teams hoarding racks and then anyone who's an individual just having to like disperse randomly. It, it is an absolute mess. Yeah. So, yeah, so. I, uh, yeah, that was that was. Uh, I remember something from that nationals, but yeah, I mean. I can't. I can't think of other meta. I mean, I know the the, the, the lifters not thing. being ready, huh? Lifters not being ready. Like the coach signals to you, "Let's go," and then it's five minutes later before they get their wrist wraps and then their belt, and then they finally pull their knee sleeves up. Yeah, that's and just, everyone else is waiting for you. I don't even think lifters that's, have. To, that's etiquette, but also you ready. not being kind of mentally prepared on meet day. Like your coach telling you to do something, and you're just in. La La Land. That happens a lot. Yeah. People being it, in La La Land. It doesn't and, surprise like, me. You're telling them it's ready to go because we got three, four coaches and three or four lifters and we're trying to time stuff and get things rolling and some lifter is just taking their gosh darn free time. Or the lifter who just disappears. Mm-hmm. Taking a ship. That, hap- that happens. Yep. That's the number one thing. Taking a dump and they go disappear and you're sitting there like we've got we got to do this one right now, and you are gone, and I cannot find you. And then, yeah. Yeah. That one's bad. Um, I'll tell you, this isn't a warm-up room one. This is a meat etiquette one that I think should stop to an extent. I'm not a huge fan of the, uh, if you're not taking an attempt, still putting in the number, depending on the flight size. If it's a super small flight, I get putting in the number and letting the 60-second clock go. But when you got, like, 11 to 15 lifter flights like you just dropping your attempt is not a big deal it's just kind of annoying at that point to have a 60 second timer i'm kind of for getting rid of that one this one i think is the classic etiquette thing our unwritten rule and powerlifting thing because a lot of people are like no you got to do it because that's you know for the spotters and loaders and that's for you know everyone else in the flight to me i think it's really overrated but then i have other lifters like no you should actually scratch your attempt for a competitive advantage so you give people less time. I'm like, guys, we're not running a marathon here. We're, we're lifting weights. So really for me, like if I'm in a regular size flight and you scratch your attempt, it probably works better because I'm not just sitting around. What's my point? Barring your like eight lifter flight or less, it actually probably benefits everyone just to scratch attempts because it's a more normalized yeah. timeline versus having to wait 15 minutes. Yeah, I that's yeah, that's my it's it is I think the most overrated underwritten rule in powerlifting where they, they talk about it a lot. I the only one I can see it for is spotters and motors, just kind of giving them a break. But I bet I know where this came from. Someone someone who's been in the game longer can confirm or deny this. It came from equipped because it makes more sense because when yeah. you're timing stuff and you need to wrap, you are timing based off of the lifter prior and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes you need more time and you need to time your wrap and whatnot. It makes a lot more sense probably on the equipped side when you got to time that kind of stuff uh, yeah. 
versus Raw, it just it just doesn't. Like it, it, it we don't really need it. Like it, it's kind of dumb. Yeah. Um, I can tell you, uh, it's not an etiquette thing, but something that I think everyone who was either uh, with me that day was noticing that I was clearly annoyed with, and that was Austin Perkins' just general presence in a warm-up room. Just jump, jumping around? <laughs> fucking, fucking screaming and, like, celebrating and, like, singing and stuff, and I'm just sitting there, like, I will take, an old man you know just sitting the there, like, staring at him, like, would you calm the fuck down? Could you relax for five seconds? And it was it was nonstop. He would keep doing it. And nothing technically wrong with it. And no one else had a problem. It was just me sitting there like, because I had to warm up. I'm warming up with him because he's a teammate. And I'm like, dude, you got to just bring it down a tad. Do you know who the most obnoxious lifter in the warm room ever is? No. Your idol. Lane Orton? Yeah. That's not surprising. Yeah. That's not surprising I still remember at 2019 Nationals, just everyone just kind of like staring like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> just, just yelling at himself and just, no one else exists except him <laughs> in the warrant room. That, that, I'm, that, not that's saying not he's, I'm not saying he's unpolite. I don't know that. I'm not, I'm not saying that about that Perkins point. either. I think I shared his story many times. I, I don't think I, I don't think anyone was as annoyed with Perkins as I was though. I think everyone was totally cool with it, and I would just like calm down. Like you gotta relax. <laughs> I I've told the story many times, and he, he's cool with it. But I don't know if he does it anymore though. We're, I guess, uh, hopefully I find out. I'm sure, I'm, I've never seen Perkins sit still, so I'm sure he's still jumping around. Yeah, he's he's, a, he's just an energetic kid. Um, yeah, uh, I'm curious. I haven't competed with him in a really long time. Last time I competed was the Virginia Pro, which he was doing the same thing. And I, and I think he was doing it more that day to piss me off. Well, now that you said it, he's definitely going to do it. I don't know. Maybe he changed his whole thing. I mean, maybe that was the key to, to totaling 820. Was just... I have I have a hard time believing it. I never trained that's with how him. He stay, that's how he stays Oh, no, I have trained with him. He's he was, so active. His, his non-exercise activity is so high from the jumping around that he can eat, like, 5,000 calories a day and stay at, like, 74 kilos. Yeah, well, I... Well, yeah, I mean, that's actually a good thing, because at first he was eating, like, three chicken tenders, and that was it. Um, some dino some dino nuggies. I think it was, it was legit, like, yeah, fish sticks and chicken nuggets was his diet. Um, I actually, I did train with him at Corrupted uh, once. It, yeah, he was he was pretty low-key that day. Yeah, did, you, did you pay to train with him? I think I would pay to train with Austin. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, I did not. Oh God! I'm telling Taylor Atwood is the gift that keeps on gi- giving. We we yep. have on un- we have underappreciated his his social media presence. I think it's gone unnoticed. For- Remember the time where he-, he he used to be so silent too, and it, it, now that he is out there, we just it, we missed so much for so many years by him not. Truly being himself on social media. Oh my god! I well, I do remember this because I think everyone kind of like 
swept this one under the rug, even though it might have been the most ridiculous. I was thinking about this today, actually. Just how funny it was. So I was thinking about um, uh, the Women's World Cup. Remember that one time where Simone uh, Biles, I believe that's her name, she dropped out of the Olympics because of like mental health and all that stuff. And yep. he kind of got into a thing that that's not what athletes should do. And then he posted a picture of her smiling. Like, does this look like a person who's depressed to you? I'm like, breaking news. People who smile in pictures are, are not, not depressed. depressed. Yeah, I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm positive we can find a picture of Anthony Bourdain smiling the day before he committed suicide. It's not how it's not how it's not how depression and mental health goes. Like he, they were smiling yesterday. I don't know what happened, but that was all yeah. time bad. That was well, yeah. Well, you know, you know the saying: when something's bad, it's great, and when it's good, it's great. Dooby dooby doobah. <laughs> that one, that one. I mean, that was no one bought that one up because it was like not at the time where he was constantly kind of eating the trash on social media. Um. People left that one alone, aside from, like, I, I know he blocked a bunch of, like, female lifters who were just trashing him on social media and just going in on him. Um, but that one was Hall of Fame worthy. That was one yeah. of the greatest things I've ever seen. I'm like, oh, my God. He just, yeah, he did that. Do we have Do we have him for any awards so far? Let me look at, let me look at my notes so far. Do we need to add anything? Well, that one was in this no, year. No, we don't have it. That was a while ago. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, I mean, the, the oxygen one has to be up there. It's got, we got to like, no, throw one in. That definitely doesn't beat the ones we've got so far. No, no, I mean, the ones we got so far, the oxygen Oh, one. wait, yeah, th- oh, we, we did. We added threat of the year. We did that. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oxygen in your body and SBD is WNBA team name. That's I want to add in nominees. Uh, on threads, Russ, I think, discovered global warming. I think he deleted it. I think he probably deleted it. Or it's like, is it just me as the earth getting warmer? I'm like, uh, Al, Al Gore would like to speak to you. I, I think there's a theory going on on this whole phenomenon of uh, a warming that's happening globally. Well, I think he deleted it, though. We need to get Russ to watch some Man Bear Pig episodes to get informed. Uh, yeah, he needs to find out how serial it is. It's super serial. <laughs> oh my god that was the perfect comeback that was the perfect comeback to that yeah the, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I can tell you what else is super serial leftlar bros merchandise ladies and gentlemen go to leftlarbros.com get yourself some leftlar bros merch the best merch in powerlifting use that promo code 2wl15 look good from head to toe look good on the platform look good off the platform as well Left Floor Bros has got you covered. Use that promo code 2WL15 or 15 to get yourself some Left Floor Bros merchandise. All right. I think we're done there. I think we're good with the etiquette stuff. That was fun. That was yeah, that was just a good, good old Two White Lights conversation. A little ranting and enjoyment there and having some interesting conversations. So. Yep. Um, all right. What do you want? We got – what do you want to go to next? Well, I, I think – Let's go to – I feel all right. Let's see what you say. I was gonna say a little combo that we learned when PA Nats is and 
Yeah, that, that was more kind of breaking stuff. news. Uh, shout out to, is it Monday Night Live? From Powerlifting America? I think they announced it there. I'm not sure. I think that's what Pete posted on his story. But yeah, um, yeah. apparently there's a date and a time announced for Nationals in Powerlifting America. And I just want to say that I was surprised that it's not announced just publicly. Because I think we're at a time frame that you need to announce things publicly. Yeah. If there's one thing we should know, federations do not know how to announce things publicly correctly. And then they, yeah, get, but they typically get really annoyed when other people then talk about the public, in quotes, announcements when yeah. they are public, but they didn't actually try and make them public. Okay, it's just kind of an I, accident. I think... Uh, all right. In, I, I know what you're getting at with that. In certain circumstances, yeah. But an entire national meet and the dates and the city that it's in, USAPL does a fine job of that. It's not a surprise. Yeah, they did. They've done all right. With and that. I would say it. pretty much every other federation. Like when there's a big meet that's taking place, they announce when the date is and where it's going. So, yeah, I'm just I, I'm just a little surprised that it it's in it's in Reno, Nevada, to be clear, and March 14th through 15th, which again, like I'm. We all just were under the impression it was in Austin because of lack of announcements. Yeah, it's just always been in Austin because they've always kind of relied on Alico to kind of like co-host or run the meet. I don't know exactly how that works. So it was interesting. It's in Reno, but I do know, I believe one of the main meet directors uh, for uh, Powerlifting America is from Nevada. So I'm sure they're the ones running it, and that's the reason why. As well as that, I mean, the more interesting thing to me is the timing of it because we already had a. I'm not going to go through all the things. We had an episode, a couple episodes back, where I talked about like because I knew that this was kind of like the time frame. I don't think I'm, I'm like shocker. It was February or March. That's not. Yeah, I thought. Uh, no, I thought that was. I actually legitimately but, thought it was announced. But the fact that it's later in March, it shifts more towards thoughts of how it's going to go, and and with qualifying we're gonna obviously have to see hopefully they announce that soon but I, I am figuring that time frame is set up because that's going to supposedly be enough time for sheffield people to move back into prep that everyone has to do pa nats i wonder if that's going to be the case this year yeah which if that's the case one pa nats will be awesome then because we're going to get everyone there no mm -hmm. one just saying they're doing it and then not showing up this time um, everyone's going to have to do it, but that will be depending on the person significant, like, all right, word for it. What, 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 what am I looking for? Not deficit. I don't know. Disadvantage. Okay. Disadvantage. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the one at the low like, IQ. Apparently that's cool. Like, like, disadvantage. <laughs> like Waskar and Natalie, I'm being biased and talking about them. That's not really that much of an issue because they don't really have direct competition. But if you got like a Keiko and he's got to re-prep yeah. and then come back and go against Gavin and Petrie, if he has to do PA Nats, that would be a huge ordeal. Now, maybe they do some qualifier setup, but like Keiko's probably going to have to do it because I don't think, I, I mean, Gavin and or, or Petrie's probably going to hit the, the Carpino one if they do that system again. I don't know. 
being March 13th through 16 opens up a lot more storylines of everyone having to do the meet for the most part. That's, that's going to make it interesting. It's going to make the meet a lot better, but it still is the really sucky situation because I don't think anyone wants to be doing Sheffield, PA Nats, and then Worlds in like a span of like four months. No, especially that this this is a, a uniquely American problem because that that's where a competitive nationals comes back to bite you, especially with the timing of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, one thing I am thinking of this time does that give Austin Perkins enough time to do the Arnold Pro Finals and Sheffield? I think that I, I think he MPA will do Nats? it. MPA Nats. Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, maybe this. I mean, maybe this gives fuel to the fire. But yeah, I think he could probably do both and win both. Well, I don't. I'm not going that far. I don't know. I mean, right now his momentum is looking so ridiculous. I, he's my number one powerlifter right now, power ranking wise, just in the world. His training is just so stupid. No, right not now. A, no. Jesus is number one still. I'm not giving. I'm saying I'm power rankings super... based on what you did in the gym. Power ranking. No, that still doesn't beat Jesus. We said if Jesus beats Ray, that's the greatest performance of all time, and he didn't just beat Ray. He yeah, but power ranking. Jesus is number one. Power ranking is just a power ranking thing, just simply due to just something to talk about. That's why power rankings exist. You put someone else new because it's fun. Perkins is number two. 100% 100% number two, yeah, okay. but he has not sure. asked Jesus on power we, maybe that's that we're, a, not, we're not doing that. We're maybe doing that's that. an episode no. that we can just go and, and rank lifters off of a totally well, non-official way. <laughs> takes power rankings and does that instead of us again. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll be great. But, um, yeah, I was, I'm thinking because, I mean, I, I've talked about him earlier in the podcast. He's just, that, I, there's not a meet that kid doesn't like doing. Like you, you throw anything up too. there. What's up? It's plausible Ash and Bob could do that too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, now if, Petrie Petrie could because that's that's too competitive a battle. But if you're talking Ashton and Bob, they probably don't have a lot of competition on the PA side. They very well could do both, maybe. And same with Perkins. Like unless we see Taylor have a, a resurgence, Perkins on openers probably wins right now if they were going head to head. That's, Am I wrong? I don't I'm know. I'm saying right now. I'm not saying potential and Taylor getting back. I'm saying I'm just literally saying, right that's, now. That's quite. That is Perkins a, wins on Perkins wins on openers. That is a take, and I can't wait for the social media post in relation to that. I mean, I'm not wrong. I would. I would. Joe can come confirm this or not. I would guess Austin is opening around a 785 to 795 kilo total. That would be his opening total, and what right now jerk. that would win. What a jerk. Such a not you, Perkins, for opening up at a seven ninety yeah. total. What a jerk for doing that. Um Yeah, no, no I, I mean it, no, I'm saying it is plausible. Just it, it's it's you gotta admit, it's a hot take. I mean, have we ever thought that it was gonna be a, a statement by anyone? No. It's ridiculous. Here, I mean it's showing how good Perk is. Um Yeah, so I mean that actually might be a good thing because that kinda I mean, a last, you know, hurrah and a goodbye for some of these USAPL lifters going to Power of the America. At least you get to do the Arnold, which is a staple meet. A meet that, you know, I love doing, people love going to. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with the date. Um, I, 
Reno could be fun. I was just looking forward for a potential national meet that I can drive to. That was about it. No, Austin makes sense for powerlifting America right now. I think that every makes a city lot of in sense. Texas now, makes sense Now, when you have a thousand lifter meet, I get the fact that there's no perfect there's no perfect city for a thousand lifter meet. In my opinion, there's better cities. I don't think there's a perfect city. It, there's for a small for the cities small personal meet. Like it was really good being held in Texas, in my opinion. Yeah, there's cities that are willing to have a thousand person meet. And areas and cities willing to have a thousand people meets. Other cities are like there's no use for that to book in a hotel or a convention center for that long with that event. So that's that's the difference. Is like Daytona is probably just a place where like, yeah, that's good for us. Lombard's a place, like, yeah, that's good for us and uh but like New York City, Chicago, Miami. Like actually in Chicago, not Lombard. That's they don't need Spokane, that. Spokane, Washington. Spokane, Washington. That's you never you never got to do Spokane. I, that I'm was joking. that was the year Spokane before. Was so dumb. That was that was the worst location we ever had. Yeah, I've, that's what I heard. I remember when people were like the US USPA and APF guys in ways to like bash the USAPL. They would bring up Spokane, Washington, and Nationals being there and how much it sucks. And I'm like, okay. I heard Spokane's very yeah. pretty. It wasn't bad. It's just a terrible location. It's like the most northwestern part of the United States and so far from the majority of power lifters that it made no sense. Yeah. So, but, yeah, so PA Nats will be interesting. We've also started getting the Sheffield roster announced. I don't know how many people realize, but, like, none of the ones being announced are surprising. Like, those were no. – we're getting Sunita and Gustav – we already knew because those were going to be the uh, those were the top second place finishers from Worlds, which I think is the third the third round invite maybe. Um, uh, Blake has name Carl and then Tony. Not surprises outside of the fact that still don't know why that was delayed. Um, and then Kyoto got announced. Uh, we're going to have some more. We got uh, who's the other ones? Let me pull it up real quick. I've got the whole list. We've got the regional ones. That's the ones that are getting announced now. Uh, Tim Monogatti, Kyoto, and then Carlos Peterson Griffith should be the regional ones on the men's side. The women's don't have any regional ones. So we should have, after all is said and done, soon enough there should be three wild cards on the women's side and then one on the men's. The more interesting one is the men's because there's only one. And there's multiple names that could fill that spot. I got it. I feel like it's either going to be a 93 or a 74. That's my guess. I'm biased. I know who I want it to be. So can you guess who I want it to be? 93 or 74. You can only be talking about two people, right? No, well, no. I mean, no. Who Outside of those, who I want it to be, Waskar. But I'm not oh, going to yeah. go to social media and try and do a campaign because I don't know if anyone knows. That doesn't do anything. Uh, I don't think anyone cares about constantly posting uh, pick my lifter for Sheffield. It's. I think it's going to be a 93 or a 74. Okay, who are the two, then? Emil, Gavin, or Atwood. Oh, okay. I I thought, I'm like, 93 or 74. I was just going to say, clearly you're talking about Gavin and Atwood. But Emil makes very good sense. Well, that, where, he makes sense, but let's, let's backtrack. It was pretty obvious prior to Worlds, they 
promoted two different matchups. They promoted Natalie and Jad, which I think Jad is a shoe in as a wild card for like a Sheffield matchup, and they promoted Keiko and Gavin as a Sheffield matchup. Hey. Now, Gavin didn't do good, but you did great. I Sheffield. think that is still that's a likely possibility because. Yes, Emil beat him at Worlds, but Gavin still has the best total proximity to the world record, I think, of anyone left. I believe that. I might be wrong, but he might because of his 880 at uh, Sheffield. His 880 at Sheffield, I believe, is the closest proximity of anyone remaining. I, I think I think Gavin's got the stake and the sizzle. Um, telling you, most viral moment of that meet was Gavin and Keiko. And... That was something that people who I didn't expect knew powerlifting. They were like, oh, you're a powerlifter, Mr. Fortino. Did you see this video? And it's Gavin and Keiko. I think you, you got to give credit it's where, it's, be... where it's due. I think because of Sheffield and what he did at the previous Sheffield, I think Gavin is the guy. I don't. I would be intriguing, but my only kickback would be they've already got Gustav versus Keiko, which is mm-hmm. a good matchup. Carl doesn't have someone. A Carl versus Tim versus Atwood would be interesting. Yeah, I get, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. It's got t- I mean, so yeah, it's kind of like it's which, which one do you want to go three deep in? Do you want to go three deep on ninety threes? You want <laughs> go three? I'm, deep I'm, on of course, I'm going to say ninety threes. They're bigger. Yeah, that, that three deeps gonna stretch it out there. It's gonna, it's gonna be a stretch. It's gonna be it's gonna be a stretched out meet. Uh, yeah. So I I mean you know I mean I I mean seriously though based on last time when we had chance on I was like give me the ninety threes again every single time the ninety threes compete I'm I'm more intrigued about that but the most intriguing matchup of worlds was seventy fours it turned into that it wasn't for me it wasn't going in I know it was a, it was a close comp- competition. But going into it, I'm like, okay, if Taylor Atwood hits what he's capable of, I don't see um, Carl having much of a chance of winning. Um, and then it turned into the most intriguing matchup with the missed lifts and the overturned calls and uh, you know Tim actually getting second in that. So, yeah, um, those, like, that matchup turned into something intriguing. So, I don't know. I, I really honestly think they can't go wrong. Personally, I would like... Yeah, I would just like to see Gavin based on precedent, but you you can't have a, a an argument saying like, well, Gav Atwood got third and his best total is eight thirty eight. If you guys didn't know that, he probably posted the deadlift again. But his total is eight thirty eight, and he has the old, he has a record um, that I mean belongs to him. So I think the proximity with that record is still him as well, and conceivably can break two of the records. So. Yeah, I mean, I it, it would. It's always a thing of Atwood could be easily be the favorite to win Sheffield. It's does he come back to his prior form? Because if he comes back to his prior form, he probably is the favorite to win Sheffield. Oh, yeah. Knowing the, I need to go do some research to figure out where things are at on the men's side. But I would figure he might be the favorite. Yeah, but it's hey, just a big if. It's a bit. It's been an if for got a two years now. Ball out so. and have the next best. Powerlifting meet of all time. To continue to do that, just continue to yeah. have the best powerlifting meet of all time. But that'll be interesting. I'm sure we're yeah. going to figure that out soon. And they're going to announce it. Uh, I bought my tickets. Nice. So I, I, I very much assume I'll be suspended. So I'm going to sit with my whiteboard in the crowd. Nice, nice. 
have fun with so, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of interesting stuff, you know, Raw Nationals. And let's get something else to add. Nope. Okay. Yeah, Raw Nationals, we, we have a potential of some good, uh, kind of the mix of breakout performances and battles uh, kind of opening up here. So, yeah, where do you want to start with that? Well, I just kind of made a list. I mean, we're going to do, obviously, a full Raw Nats preview, but I just kind of made a list of, of – I've already done some research, and I already, without even doing some research, I already knew some of these names popping up, of kind of the big breakout people to watch, of people that I don't – some people may know about but may not be as on the forefront, and going in they're not going to be talked about as much that I just really think that after Raw Nats, they're going to be kind of the breakout stars of the meet. So – Starting on the men's side, probably the most interesting breakout stars are going to be in that 67.5 kilo class with Austin Nikolai and Luke McCain. Now, I think I think a lot of the attention is going to be put on Morgan versus Dan round three. Mm-hmm. Austin is going to be in that conversation. Yeah. He is that close. And then if you don't know who Luke McCain is, I think I brought him up on the podcast before maybe. Um, he also is coached by Matt Holden, just like Dan Clements, but he's only like 17 or 18 years old and is already starting to creep up like high, high 600 kilo total. I think he did like 675 at his last meet. Either way, I mean, there could be an argument that the 67 and a half kilo class at Raw Nationals this year is going to be more competitive and deeper than Worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, Pani Utis had himself a great meet, but, and, but, you know, like we're talking about Brian Lee going into it. Um, and, you know, Kyoto as well. But when you look at Brian Lee, like, at Nationals, I'm really discrediting what he did at Power of the American Nationals because I thought he was on that day and put himself definitely within the conversation of the best, but at best 66 kilos, 67.5 kilos. But Morgan Aquino Garcia beats him at uh, Nationals, and Dan Clements, I think, uh, beats him as well. So... You know, like, we have, I mean, in America, too, especially if you just get Brian Lee back in the mix, you have a ridiculous lineup at 67.5 kilos. Or Jonathan Garcia. He, oh, yeah, he I just, he just see uh, he world record in it, right? He's, he broke the world record squat. Let's see where he finished total-wise today. I mean, talk another one up from America, right? We're talking about competitive. 703 total. Oh, yeah, talk another one up for America. So, like, one of the most competitive weight classes you see. So, 74 kilos, incredibly competitive. 83 kilos, I, I would want to call it competitive yet. Uh, 93 kilos, incredibly competitive. And now you have 66 kilo, which is possibly the most deep roster. If you combine Dan Clements, Morgan Aquino Garcia, uh, Brian Lee... And Jonathan Garcia. And then now you have um, Austin Nikolai and Luca McLean. Or Luca McCain, yeah. I apologize. Not McLean. McCain. Yeah. No, that, those those are going to be very, very interesting because, I, like I said, we're, we're going to talk about all of them. But those are two lifters that both could go we, – we could potentially have four lifters go 700 kilos plus mm-hmm. in that class. And that's that's pretty nuts. Yeah. I'm excited for that. I mean, last year was awesome. A lot of drama there. Um, 93 kilos, Dominique Fuqua, or Fuqua, which 
90 kilo. 90 kilo, I'm sorry. 90 kilo, this is the problem with constantly switching between IPF and USAPL. 90 kilo, Dominique, I think definitely being slept on right now. Um, people are kind of talking Petries just has no one to compete against. And I think when they talk about other people, his name just isn't mentioned because people don't know who well, he is. I'll, I'll be interested with other preview shows how it goes because if you just read off of the nominations, his meet that he did, I believe, 875, he weighed 90.1. So that is not his total on the nominations. His total is way lower on the nominations. So if you look oh. at that and you just read off of that, it will not look like anyone's even comparable to Petrie. For sure. I Dominique would be surprised if is in a spot where Petrie was to have some issues. You cannot count Dominique out. Like if Petrie was to have issues and like miss a third squat and then miss a third deadlift, Dominique could literally possibly win it. Yeah, you like you cannot take him lightly going into this meet. I think his the, the meet that he established his total at people's heads I was just weren't completely turned on that one and that, that's that's the guy. That's the guy and I think even Jamar Royster was up at ninety kilos. Um it, he would still be kind of up there as number two. His his numbers speak for himself and he does have um, that past nationals kind of as experience, and the, you know you can use that experience and do something. Well, that just happened. Uh, you, you can do something to put yourself into a uh, big position there to win. Yeah. No, I mean Dominique is going to be. I, I he's got to be the heavy favorite for second, and he is. Trying to pull up some of his training real quick. I haven't really researched him too much. Just hit a deadlift PR with uh, 320 for three. Hasn't really posted much other than that. But that's enough to tell me his training is going halfway decent. So, yeah, either way, I mean, he's he's going to be there. And, like, he's he's there enough to where – I mean, he, if he goes 880 at 90 and then Petrie goes, like, 885 to 890, I, I don't know. Those two are studs. Dominique yeah. is – one of the most underrated male lifters in the entire world, considering he did 870 at 90.3. And that's right up there with Keiko and Petrie and Gavin and Emil and Gustav and Chance. That's that's with them. He is right there with them right now. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of studs, I think you got to tell me about this one. The quad studs still. Yes, he's a, he's a craft lifter. I had, to, I had to get some confirmation because I've been kind of seeing him pop up on Marcellus' stories. I've been checking out a little bit, and I kind of figured he was he's going to be a little bit of a, a breakout star, and he will. He's in the 100-kilo class. Uh, I, I, he's, he's, not, he's probably not in the running to win 100 kilos, uh, and that's probably going to come down to uh, Marcus and John. Uh, fortunately, I have someone on Marcus's close friends giving me updates on his training, so I'm going to have a good idea of what he's doing. And Marcel's going to give me updates on John's training. But uh, Daquan very well could be in that podium placing. And again, someone that I don't think anyone's heard of uh, for the most part. Daquan is probably one of my favorites. He's he, I, for sure a favorite for top five. Very much as I do more research, I can see him being top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see more from him. Uh, that is, what I think, the only name on here that I'm not completely familiar with. Uh, but the next two guys, I think they're two White Lights favorites. Like, we've, we've talked about them a lot uh, on the show. 
Um, but still, I think just don't get some of the notoriety that they deserve. And that's Bam Bam Dudley and Devin Williams. Yeah, and they they are known. The reason I put them as breakout stars is I think the combo of those two plus Jared Martin, like actually having a very competitive 125 kilo class, I think is going to make that whole whole class break out as a whole and really put on notice what Brandon and Devin are doing. And Brandon, he just did like a 9 30 something kilo gym total with room mm-hmm. in the tank. That was nuts. I, 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 Jared is definitely the heavy favorite, but Brandon and Devin have been progressing at such a rate that I'm going to be very interested how this goes. I don't know. The 125 class could be one of the most underrated classes, like of hype going into this meet. Um, because frankly, I think most of these guys could go over. I mean, the 120 kilo class in the IPF, Tony Clifton, 950 or 955. So if we're comparing competitiveness, this 125 kilo class is right there. It's, it's actually probably more competitive than the world side. So the 125 in general is something I'm really looking forward to. And I don't think people realize how good that class is. Now, the one downside of what kind of mutes this class a bit is one, everyone's still chasing Dennis Cornelius to an extent. Uh, and two, Rondell is in yeah. this class. But Rondell's going to be a guest lifter, so he can't win this class. But Rondell's probably going to total 1,000 kilos and blow everyone away, but he's just not going to be directly in this class, which makes these guys look not as impressive. But the fact of the matter is, is take out Rondell, match up anyone in the IPF or worldwide, and Brandon, Devin, and Jared are absolute studs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I mean, you know I love Bam Bam and Devin and um... – they're the guys who kind of still, like, they kept their nose down, too, and their head down, and just kept working. Like, they, they still don't have the clout. They still don't have, you know, the the fanfare surrounding them. But they've been consistent for a long time, and we've seen some young lifters just kind of fall off in the, you know, recent years of those, like, not maintaining that momentum and not progressing their total. Devin and Bam Bam are not examples of that. They're they're young lifters and they're making progress at a fast rate and it looks like they're not slowing down. So yeah. Um very intrigued with that matchup. And to the female side, you have the whole forty eight kilo class and um I yeah, I mean I think going into the meet, Demetria is a heavy favorite last year. Um great meet getting second. Just you know, did what we expect us to do, but this class kind of opens up again with uh, Leanne and Kate. Yeah, I mean, I put this as a whole class because outside of us and some USAPL people, I don't think it's going to be talked about, but we're, we very well could have three 48 kilo lifters total 400 plus. I think at minimum two are going to do it, and I think to win, you might have to go 410. Mm-hmm. And if this was on the Power of Thing America side or IPF, everyone would be talking about three lifters possibly going 400 to 410 in the 47 kilo class because they're basically the same thing. I mean, Demetria for sure can make it. I know All, Leanne can too. Yeah, Leanne could definitely make 47. Uh, Kate's Katie a Hubbard, little bit heavier, but 52 she can make and 40, it too. 47. But this is this is a this is a stacked class, and none of no. I mean, I'm biased with Demetria, but Kate and Leanne are way underrated too, especially Kate. Because I think Leanne maybe gets a little bit more. I mean, just because I, mean, I think because I coached Mitria and Leanne 
is coached by Marcellus. Maybe people know about her a little bit more. Kate, I don't think people know about her. I did not consider Demetria a heavy favorite. I would love to, but I don't think she is. I, I would Kate Kate's training is going off. And we're gonna talk about it obviously more, but like they are neck and neck. This is gonna be a really, real it, it, it may be the best battle of nationals. Yeah. And and be truly competitive. Because sometimes we talk about battles and maybe, yeah, it's gonna be a really close battle, but like grand scheme of competitiveness, they're not quite on par with the world's best. This is just Elite lifters and going to be incredibly competitive, and I have little doubt it's going to come down to the final pull. And Kate's going to have the final pull. She's by far the biggest puller. She's she's honestly starting to creep up to like Heather Connor level of pull, um, which again, like I mean, she just she she just doubled I think one eighty seven point five for two, and it was like super easy. But again, no one really no one really talks about it. This is a crazy class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would not consider uh, Dimitri going in as a heavy favorite. Uh, Leanne's got a sick deadlift on her too. I know Kate's going to be. She does. I know Kate's. The, Kate Le- is the deadlifter, but Leanne does have a sick deadlift. Oh, she has a crazy deadlift. It's just can it translate to the a meet finally? Um, yeah, she hasn't had great success come meet day with those third deadlifts. Well, I think he listens so. to two white lights, and I've I've been saying to hold that lockout longer, so. Uh, I know Marcellus listens to Two White Lights. So Hopefully, you guys are using his code. No matter how long it is, use his code. Got a type of paragraph for that one. Um, on here, you got Capita uh, de Virginia Pro Juliana Ayorno. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be going in. I think, based off of nominations in the 52s, you've got Jazlyn Pepper first, Ariel Patra second, and then Juliana Ayorno third. Based on what I see, Juliana might be the favorite there, and I don't think anyone realizes that. No, I I think relatively low key lifter. Um, I think it applies for a lot. I mean, I guess prototypical good female lifter on Instagram. Not all the training footage. Not making the uh, passive aggressive posts like the men do. Not making motivational. Things about how their mindset is deadlocked on nationals. Just kind of your typical female lifter who they're very good. They're very strong. Um, capable, but doing it for a while. Just you wouldn't know it on social media. And that's all we have. Yeah. And two white lights. And, and telling and you guys that's gonna this. Be a, yeah, it's going to be a really close battle. Because I, I, I'm saying I think Juliana, based on my initial projections, I think may be the favorite, but like Ariel and Jazzy are right there. That's going to be a really, really close battle for the title there. But when people start bringing it up, I think I don't think they're going to think Juliana because I don't think she's very well known. I mean, honestly, the first time I ever heard of her was the VA Pro. And it really didn't hit me until I started doing a little bit of research how much, how, how, uh, how good her training is going in comparison and where she's going to be at. Um, so yeah, she's she's definitely someone that's going to break out in that fifty-two kilo class. Because frankly, the fifty-two kilo class in the U.S. has kind of been underperforming for a while, like compared to the world. Like we've got we've got Evie and uh, Noemi going four fifty to four sixty kilo, and that's just kind of like the class in the in the U.S. PA or USAPL. I'm waiting for someone to break out. I'm waiting for that person in the U.S. because someone's going to do it at some point. 
we have too big of a talent pool here not to eventually have a person up there like we do in pretty much every other class. Someone eventually is going to get there. And I feel like Juliana might, might, could potentially be that person. Yeah, agreed. I, I think so too. Uh, you have Maya right here, three, three right lights. Yep. Yeah, that's one. Uh, I mean, she had a breakout at the Arnold, but mm-hmm. I think from school, I think she was working on a PhD maybe. Something. I think she didn't compete. She yeah. hasn't competed at any big meets since the Arnold in 2022. I think it was 2021. Yeah, it was last year. So she didn't do nationals. She didn't do any pro meets. She didn't do the Arnold this she year. Did, so um, I, her name kind of dropped. The most, uh, was that New York primetime? Yeah, she did. She just did a local meet. In, in Buffalo, four fifty something in yeah. Buffalo. She's coached by, I think she's still coached by Mustache Fitness. She actually lives in Hawaii now. As well as looking at her training, she's out in Hawaii at Yukio. Um, but either way, she's she's the favorite to win fifty six. Uh, Av is there too. Unfortunately, Av I think is dealing with an injury, and so Maya has got to be the favorite going in. But that's one of the names that I don't think people are going to talk about, and I don't think she's not just the favorite for fifty six. I think she's one of the favorites in the sense of like top five dots for pros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we I, I know, I'm not sure the weight. And, and, well, I, should, I was, I was going to say for the daily award, but then we're going to get to the 60 kilo. So probably the 60 kilo class is going to get, win the best lifter for day one. But either way, Maya Wright, uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal lifter that just doesn't have the clout. And I think because she's going to finally do nationals, at least in the set, not finally do nationals for the first time, I think she's done before, but finally do nationals where she's likely – going to have a very good chance at winning a national championship. I think she's going to get better recognition than she's gotten in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's like what, yeah, again, that's whole clout thing. And so it can be the activeness or whatever, uh, those poorly phrased, but um, also just like platform presence as well. Uh, I think we would be talking about her in the same way. If there was, you know, meets after the Arnold that we've seen from her, you know, but, prioritize other things in life and this is where you get like your second breakout meet because that meet with her Celine Christian was one of the best I, I think one of my favorite female battles in recent memory that oh yeah that was a great one that was, was awesome uh, I always forget her name Carly Leonard does nationals she only, yeah Carly Leonard yeah uh, uh, Car- uh Carly Leonard my bad Charlie yeah. it's, it's wait is it Charlie or Carly Charlie, you just H. yeah, you just confused me. Um, I said yeah, I said it wrong. Okay, um, yeah, like that was one of my favorite battles. Uh, yeah, in recent memory, that that commentating that one was great, and Maya did fantastic. Christian did fantastic. Uh, they all did. They all did so good at that meet. So it's gonna be it's gonna be good seeing her back on the platform. Um, we have Jessica Tesoro. And Natalie Hunter. Yeah, so 60 kilo class. That arguably could be that in the 67 and a half are arguably the best classes. I mean, I think one of the big battles we're going to talk about is Christian versus uh, uh, Sam. And they're very much the front runners for one, two. I, I see some possibilities of some people creeping up uh, with Frida as well. Uh, I don't want to say Frida. I, I, Frida could be in this list too. Uh <laughs> But I, I'm saying Jessica and Natalie specifically because they're younger lifters, and I don't think many people know about them. Jessica had a really good meet at the Arnold but wasn't quite up there yet. But Jessica's training has gone off since then. 
like it significant PR since then. And then Natalie Hunter, I don't think anyone probably knows about her. And I think I've shown you her before a simple, quick look at her Instagram page. And you're like, Oh crap, this, this girl is gifted. This is like Mandy Ogo style where like you can just see physique wise, like they're blessed with some genetics and some potential. And Natalie's been going like 20 kilos every meet she does. I don't, I don't know if she's going to quite be in the running for uh, winning, maybe podium. And she doesn't ever post her lift, so I have no idea what she can do. But Natalie could be a, a future superstar. Like, mm-hmm. her and Mandy are two people I just see with just such incredible potential of, like, superstar potential in USAPL and or IPF, whatever they choose to eventually do long-term. But, yeah, Jessica and Natalie, I think, are two people in the 60-kilo class you got to look out for um, as people who are going to break out at this meet and then be future possible national champions, world champions, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited. I think, uh, yeah, a little bit more familiar with Jessica because of Arnold Arnold Research. Um, but, yeah, excited to see what happens there. And our last one, um, Margaret, I'm going to let you take the last name. Do you know where that I one's don't going? Know. I know where's Margaret. I know where's Margaret Hampton. I think those were made in Nikas, Nikas. Margaret Nikas and then Layla Taylor. Uh, which for, I just shared a story for you with yeah. Margaret because I was like, I'm right. I didn't I get to see it, it I was like, Good journalism here that I had her on this list before this story came up. But Margaret and Layla are likely the two favorites at 1-2 in the 82.5 kilo class. Um, I expect both to break the American record total. And I really think Margaret in particular is going to do something dumb. She just hit a 20 kilo squat PR. Um, I know she's got more in her deadlift because honestly I don't think she fully pushed her deadlift at the Arnold. Um, I could very well see Margaret going. I, I'll have to do some research, but five sixty, I think, is very doable, mm-hmm. um, and that would be that would be pretty nuts. I mean, obviously, the the constant comparison is you got you got Amanda Lawrence going six forty, but you take out Amanda Lawrence, and the fact of the matter is, is you got Kristen Thorold's daughter, Margaret, and Layla as like the other three best eighty two and a half to eighty four kilo lifters in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah, Layla Taylor, former collegiate national champion, correct? Yes. Yeah. Did she win it this year too? I don't know. Coach she Bob probably. Missed, yeah, Coach she's Bob a missed, blessed athlete. I think she did. Yeah, I, I now that the, I don't recall, but I do know that in Lombard she won yeah. collegiate nationals. Won yeah, it this she, year, so two time. She, she won. She won this year too. Five, yeah, I can't imagine her losing. Half kilo total. She was pretty yeah. out front in Lombard. Um, yeah, very good lifter, young lifter, Texas A and M Aggie. Very good um, future ahead of her as well. So, yeah, I think uh, a, a great battle shaping up there. We'll probably dive a little – we're going to dive a lot deeper into the previews. Um, and then kind of the wrap to show up here, we bought this up a long time ago uh, with the chips being a potential problem with – you can chip at any age, really, teen, junior, open, master's. And it happened at Bench Nationals with uh, Jen Thompson. Tell yeah, us about it, Steve. So, uh, I'll bring this up. I actually wrote an email to USAPL about this uh, in July. Because, unfortunately, I think this is going to be a major issue. Is If people don't know, you can now set age division records uh, and chip age division records while competing in the Open. And so, we saw this happen at... Equipped bench snap. So Jen Thompson, I think, did raw and equipped. I think she hit like 142 and a half raw. Then she went and did equipped open and won 
Raw, I think. I think she lifted Raw and won by chipping an M2 record to win by a half kilo. Well, there in you the go. open division. And I went through it. Here, I, I, this isn't even all of them. I went through, when I wrote my, my emails to the USAPL, I went through the classes. 48 kilo women. Leanne Lee is a junior. Like will have a ch- be able to chip the junior American record deadlift. 52 and a half kilo women. Ann Wynn is a junior. Like will be able to chip the junior American record squat. 60 kilo women. Caitlin Berry chipping the junior American record bench. 67 and a half kilo women. Jen Thompson like will be able to chip in two records. Mandy Ogo like will be able to chip junior records. 75 kilo women. Maria Daly like will chip the junior deadlift record. 82 and a half kilo women. Layla Taylor will likely chip the squat and junior or junior squat and bench record. 90 kilo women. Alicia Webb likely chipping the M1 squat and bench record. 100 kilo women. Jacqueline Dublé likely chipping the M1 squat record. 100 kilo women. Alexis Joan likely will be able to chip all three junior le- records. The, the, those are all people that could chip records viably for top three placing. It's going to be a significant issue. It is, it is bad. And I, I proposed a, a fix for this that I think is a really good fix. And I hope they do it. I have not heard back. I really hope they do this because I think this is incredibly fair. My simple fix was, okay, one, I think this rule should be changed. I think it's a dumb rule, but it's not going to get changed right now. What you should simply do is if you want to compete in primetime, primetime is one simple rule or one simple goal to put the best lifters in the primetime who are competing for podium and national championships. That's what you're doing in primetime. Is there any other reason to compete in primetime other than that? Is that the goal, Angelo? It's it's cooler. Okay, but <laughs> the, the point of prime time it's is pretty, those are the lifters competing for podiums and national yeah. championships. If you you don't have to accept a prime time invite, we already know Ashton and Bob are likely going to reject it because Ashton can't compete in prime time because of scheduling issues. You can reject a prime time invite. You do not have to accept it. My proposed rule change or stipulation is. If you get invited to primetime and you accept, you are forfeiting the right to chip age division records in primetime. You can only chip open records. If you would like to have the ability to chip age division records, you have to reject the primetime invite and compete in the normal session, which then you have the disadvantage for the fact that you can't go head-to-head with someone. And I think that's completely fair. Make primetime about being an open national champion, not about chipping age division records. I think that's a completely fair fix and an easy way to do it because that gives the lifter the option to do it. If they truly care more about age division records than podium at podium or winning a national title in primetime, they can easily reject their invitation and just compete in the regular session. Yeah. I mean, it's a great idea. <laughs> It's a, a good idea. I one, I don't think they'll ever go for it. But two, it's just so. I think it's not. No, I, I can't really describe what I'm feeling. It's or there's there's probably a right word or phrase for it, but it's like it, just don't do this. <laughs> so the rule should never happen. The rule should never Don't ha- why, don't have this in the first place. It should have never have existed. Because uh, I don't think they'll go for something that, like, no. Because like, I, I, I think they don't have precedent in doing stuff like this. Uh, being like, okay, we're going to put this stipulation in because it acknowledges that the rule makes no sense. Yeah, that's true. That would be that would be admitting the rule doesn't make sense. Because like, it doesn't. It makes, it's, it's, like IPF going back on Article 14 rule. and creating loopholes. It's like, if you guys are going to create loopholes... 
you're in an admittance that the rule is stupid. So they're never going to go for it. Same thing with the USAPL in this one. I don't think they'll ever go for it because it's like, oh, we, we messed up. I, I really, really hope an age division record doesn't determine podium placing. And unfortunately, I think it will. All right. And that is that is bad. Oh, yeah. I, I could. Uh, at this you point, are literally at an advantage by being not an open lifter at yeah. nationals. It is a competitive advantage to be a junior or an M1 lifter. Yeah, I yeah I don't. I mean, I don't know if he needs it at this point, just based on how my training's going. But Lucky, I I, I can see him. Yeah. If we're in a close thing, I can see Lucky beating me based on a just a chip. Again, I'm not saying he needs it as of right now, but it could happen, and it, it could happen because he's a podium guy. Um, is Chris Pre- no Chris Perez is no longer in junior. No, he- Lucky's Lucky's the one in the eighty two and a half. Um, I didn't do it for all the men's. Most of the men's have similar situations too. I'm sure if you look at all the men's classes, I didn't yeah. include that. You didn't name the men's. I, I mean, if hell, you get all the men's, I, I'm sure you're going to find similar situations with every almost every class having something. I mean, I, Perk is still a junior, isn't he? Couldn't he just go check every know. single junior yeah, record? For, for me, he's been 19 forever, and he's no longer. I think he's no longer a junior. Yeah, he could. He's still. Uh, is he a junior? Yeah, he's still going to be twenty three. He's still going to be oh, twenty three national, so he can chip all the junior records. I forgot. I, once he turned, once he stopped being nineteen, because that's what everyone was talking about—the fact that he was nineteen. He just, I, I he just immediately became twenty four to me. Do 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 you stop keeping track of guys after they age out of nineteen? Is that kind of? Like <laughs> I am like I'm like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah. Of male powerlifting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I. Uh, yeah, well, because his he, he was talked about for being just so young for such a long time that it's like as soon as you stop turning teen, like into teen years, all of a sudden you're twenty four. Um, but yeah, I mean, hell, sign up for the MX division. You can do that. Yeah, and yeah, break some those records. records. That's always that's always a plausible thing. I need every advantage I can get. I barely have. I don't even know. I didn't about even it. think about that. I mean. I don't, I don't think that's a division you can sign up at nationals though. That's the only thing. I, I wonder. Yeah, that's an interesting one. No one will do does it. That even, does, has has anyone has it, some, no actually? Has I anyone say that some that? doucher is gonna do it at a point. Has anyone done that division this year? I remember there does being four like, lifters. Does it still exist? Did the USAPL get mad? Oh, there it is. Okay. Okay, we've only had three people do the MX division this year. Oh, it's close. I was then the the one person I was referring to dropped out of it and maybe went to another Fed. Yeah, because I, I remember there being four. Um. But yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. We'll see. We'll see if uh, it turns into a problem. Um. But it's kind of one of those things that just. I don't know why it's there. Um, I guess uh, I guess we can start wrapping up there. Um, I already, I'm just going to say, because I've been seeing some things uh, just on social media, if we didn't mention anyone uh, for Breakout Lifter, they pro- possibly already broke out. I've been seeing some uh, Gerald Scott things. Tevin, shut up. We we gave Gerald Flower uh, Gerald Scott a lot of credit on the show. I just I saw that on threads and I'm like, huh, that could only be referring to us. I know, 
Kevin. He's a good guy. I'm just saying, like, you can give you can give somebody a breakout lifter of the year, like, or a candidate, or say they're a breakout lifter, so many times. Gerald Scott is great. He's potentially going to podium. Chris Perez is awesome. He's probably going to podium. It's one of those. Yeah. Possibly I mean, win. Maybe there's bias. Maybe there's just bias in the circles we're in. But like, they're lifters that I've. I, I feel like people know. Like, if I drop their name, people are going to know them. Uh, which even some of the people I said were going to be breakout stars, people know them. But a lot of those ones, I feel like if I drop names, like a Kate Cohen or Juliana Iorno, uh, like, you know, some of the guys I brought I up. I remember Frida, because we, like, we talked about her a lot on um, TBS, but then we didn't Luke, mention her for Luke, the Arnold, and people got mad. Luke McCain. There, there was names I said there that I feel like if I name drop to people, they're going to have no idea who I'm talking about. Where if I yeah. name drop Gerald Scott and Chris Perez, I don't feel like I'm going to have as many people being like, I have no idea who that is. I think Chris Perez should get more credit because he's so handsome. Gerald Scott's very handsome, too. But Chris Perez, I think, should have a big social media following because he's a great-looking guy. He's not posting enough shirtless pics. He needs no, to he doesn't need posing. it. No, that's it's face and hair, baby. Well, with his face and hair, he needs to ride a horse with a fan blowing in his in his face for the, the effect of the hair flowing. With, he needs to start embracing his, his like, his like kind of like Tennessee cowboy for, uh, for, for Memphis. Yeah, I mean, you know, but to me, he's got the, not the Tennessee cowboy look, but he's got, like, riding a horse, no hat, kind of an unbuttoned V, white shirt, with no shoes on and jeans. You can tell I thought about is this that, for a that, while. Yeah, you've, you've definitely thought about but that. But think That's about it, bank. everyone listening, think about it and tell me. You're not salivating right now. <laughs> you know, I don't know I'm, I'm exactly sure. I'm doing. sure when people listen to Two White Lights Lifters, like, oh, that's that's what I wanted said about me. Thanks, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, Two White Lights guys, for putting that out there yeah. for everyone to hear. I mean, I said so it in myself. The last, in last two episodes, we say Chris. What when I say? What did I say that he wasn't happy about? I don't know. It could have been you outside looking in or outside looking in or something like that. Yeah. So we said that, and then we said people are, are going to be jerking off to the fantasy of what you just mentioned, and that's that's Chris Perez's legacy on two white lights right now. All right, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I wasn't applying that. I mean, there's females. There's very few females who listen to the show, so maybe it's just for them. Eight percent, I think, females. The, the, impl- the implication was strong. The implication yeah. well, I, was well, I, there. Well, I, I said it, so yeah. Um, I right. understand that at least some people in powerlifting don't understand implication, but I do understand the implication. Like the implication that he was talking about personal training as opposed to what the NBA was actually doing and selling one-on-ones? The imp- well, I thought you guys understand that implication. I thought you guys like would have imp- implied that I meant personal training. Like, yeah, we would have implied the thing that the other party, the NBA, isn't doing at all. Yeah, that's the implication that we got out of there. I'm going back to that story post of p- getting paying to train with Atwood for a week. That was the worst spin zone I've ever seen in my life. And it was so conveniently after Derek Akune said it on his story. <laughs> like, ooh, yeah, all right. I, I don't. 
I didn't have anyone that took that as I'm offering personal training. No, no one did because that's not what he meant. <laughs> because Jimmy Butler isn't personal training you to be a better NBA player. You're going to the experience to play Jimmy Butler one-on-one -on -one because he's Jimmy Butler and he's awesome. So no, it wasn't the same thing at all. Ah, God. All right. Let's end it there. I got a lot of work yeah. to do. I'm sorry if we don't get to a story about Steve's crazy life. Um, I don't think I have one. We'll just skip. Okay. I, I gotta, we got I 90 minutes of two I got to make a document and actually start tracking some stories to start telling. So Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I got we got to edit this podcast. A little bit of a busy season. Sorry for delaying episodes, ladies and gentlemen, but school year starting again. I'm getting busy. Uh, but more episodes to come. Two white lights. We'll see you guys soon. Peace.